Hi, everybody. Welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Skip Miller. And I'm Thibaut Suiris. Every two weeks, we're going to be interviewing thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. And every other week, we'll share tactical tips and insights on how to start conversations, generate opportunities, and close deals faster. We're on a mission to change the way people see sales. As you know, sales is a profession that is one of the most rewarding ever. Yet people are afraid to try or really extend themselves. And this isn't really good. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs and M3 Learning. If you want to attend the recording of the podcast episodes and ask your questions to the guests, you can join the Selling Advantage community. It's a $25 a month subscription where you get access to a community of B2B salespeople, exclusive events, and tactical resources to help you close bigger deals faster. Join today and get one month for free at www.sellingadvantage.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom, tools, and tactics, and enjoy the show. We are live. Perfect. Good. So welcome everyone to uh, this new episode of the B2B Sales Podcast. Today I have the uh, honor and privilege to have uh, Samantha McKenna on the show. So uh, Sam, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I think it's been a long time coming, so I'm glad we could get together. Exactly, yeah. We, you know, been following you for quite a while. Uh, check like everything you've done on LinkedIn and so it's been super nice. We're going to talk about your uh, top five sales hacks. So you call that the Sam sales hack. Um, but before we dive into that, can you just, you know, tell me a bit more about you, who you are and what's your background? Yeah, of course. So uh, I have been in enterprise sales 15 years, uh, which feels like an eternity now. Uh, but I was always in enterprise sales, jumped into the deep end as soon as I you know, got into the the business and uh, I spent about half my career as an individual contributor, the other half as an executive leader. And before starting Sam Sales, I spent uh, nearly two years at LinkedIn, uh, running their LinkedIn Sales Navigator and that new enterprise business in New York City. And now uh, I run Sam Sales Consulting. Uh, there's about 16 of us on the team. We're 26 months old, so we're we're still pretty young, but um, we've accomplished some pretty great things over the last two years, including signing our hundredth. 100th client last week, 101st yesterday, 102nd actually, I'm lying, yeah. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Okay, great. That's that's really nice because, uh, uh, so you said 26 months, so that's a bit more than two years. Um, so y- tell me more about that that you, <laughs> growth that you've seen and getting 100 customers and I see you've, you've generated so much money for your partners too. So tell me more. Yeah, um, well, I'm tired, first of all. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say, you know, I, we st- I started this business with really modest goals. Um, I thought about how we could make positive impact to a few clients. Um, a lot of people came to me when I started the business and said, we always wonder what would Sam do? We're, we have no idea what we're doing with sales. We would love for you to show us around. And so started working with probably about five or six clients at the end of 2019 and it just grew from there so not only were we getting tons of recommendations and inbound leads referrals uh, but on top of that every time we were having a conversation with a client we found another opportunity to do what i love calling uh, serving an underserved market so somebody would come to us and say we don't know how to write our sequences in outreach or sales soft we don't know how to train on linkedin or linkedin sales navigator or whatever it may be. And we just found so many opportunities to continue growing, to continue hiring. 
And it really went, you know, gangbusters from there. And I'll say too that in our conversations, um, we would find that a lot of our clients were missing key technologies that they needed. So whether it was something like outreach, whether it was something like um, something to help support their call coaching, whatever that was. Mm-hmm. And so we thought, well, why don't we help, you know, our partners and people that we really respect in tech um, get new clients? So. Slowly but surely, we formed a few partnerships, uh, like with Outreach, and we partner with Vidyard, with Sapper Consulting, with Sendoso, and we always look for opportunities to refer our clients. But the coolest part for us is we just like to see the business that we help generate. And to your point, we uh, we crossed six million dollars of uh, referred business for our partners this year, and. I will tell you, we only have five partners. There are a lot of people that try to partner with us, but we're, we're pretty choosy. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, yeah, we've sent quite a bit of money their way. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I mean, I get like a lot of partners always, like people you want to want to do partnerships. And for me, it's just uh, something I don't really understand how to make it work. So yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I'm definitely very, uh, I admire you for generating that much money for partners because for me, I just have no clue how to do that. So uh, no. yeah. I mean, it's it's so easy, you know, just, just understanding like on our discovery calls, even asking questions of what are your challenges? What are your tech stacks? What are you using? What, you know, kind of doing a doing a great discovery call. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, we have an opportunity to say, here's who we'd re- we would recommend. I will say, um, I think a lot of people are quick to just partner with anybody because they see yeah. an opportunity to make money. But for us, you know, again, where we're really choosy is it has to be a company and a technology that reflects our brand, our values, you know, and that we'd be proud to align ourselves with. Um, I think also why we're, we're pretty choosy is we want to make sure that we're sending our customers to the best of the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Thanks for the tip. So yeah. we're going to, we're going to get a few, a few hacks from you. So we've selected a, a bunch of them. So you, you're known, you know, like if people see you on your background, you have different kind of, uh, of say of sayings. The, the first one is called the urgent bird gets the worm. <laughs> Can you tell me a bit more about that? It's one of my favorites. So I, I'll tell you, there's, um, I don't know what it is about me. You know, I'm, I'm European like you are. I'm originally from Switzerland. And there's always just been a sense of urgency, particularly when I'm behind the wheel. Um, but there's always been a, a bit of sense of urgency with me. You know, always go, 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 faster, faster, now, now, now. And I remember, too, when I was just starting in sales, um, one of our, our cross-functional partners, uh, in, I think it was in legal, said, I need you to be more patient. And I remember our CEO saying, if you ever tell a sales rep to be more patient again, you're fired. And I was like, yes. Um, <laughs> but the, the urgent bird gets the worm to me is right is on that play of the early bird gets the worm. The urgency to me really makes a difference in our sales process because it's us displaying urgency to our clients. It's us being quick, you know, our speed to lead is fast. But I think about the urgency with how we respond to inbound leads or even respond to referrals. Um, let's let's think about the referrals piece really quickly. If somebody is nice enough to send us a referral um, and say, you know, Sam, meet Bill. I you know think Bill could use your services. That person who is referring Bill to us has now stuck their neck out for us. They put their reputation on the line to say, I vouch for Sam, and I think that you should talk to her. So if I take Frankly, even a day to respond, I think that that's significantly too late. I want to respond urgently. I want to show, you know, Bill that I'm a good person to work with. I want to show, you know, good uh, good attitude and good responsiveness to the person that referred me. But that urgency matters. We also know that time kills deals. So if we are too slow to respond or too slow to capitalize on a lead, that could cost us the deal. We just did this the other day. Um, 
we needed to hire an outsourced uh, payroll service. And mm -hmm. I sent an email to two people. One person responded within the hour. One person took four days, four days to respond. I've already signed the contract by the time the second person responded. Mm -hmm. So being quick can really make the difference, not only in, in what people perceive you to be, but in you probably getting the deal. Okay. Yeah. I think that's, uh, that, that's, that's very interesting. And for me, something I've noticed is that the, um, when you, you don't, you know, like sometimes I have deals where I don't manage to get urgency to create this urgency. Wow. And, uh, then, you know, the biggest competitor in sales is actually statu quo I found. And when you can't create this specific urgency, it's often, mm -hmm. you know, people say, yeah, yeah we're going to come back to you and, you know, we're going to do something and very often nothing happens. So um, do you have some kind of, uh, of tips on how to create that urgency? Completely. So I think a couple of things. <clears throat> we, um, we, in fact, just got an email today that said uh, we're going we're gonna to revisit this project at the beginning of January. We're going to wait till after the holidays. And I think we're often taught to try to create that urgency right? Mm -hmm. and to push back and say, well, you know, what's going to change, you know, after the holidays that we, you know, versus doing it now yeah. and do all sorts of things. I think we also need to use our emotional intelligence and we need to understand when somebody is, is still really interested, but definitely has other priorities, right? This is also why it's so important for us to have 5X the pipeline, um, that 5X are our quota in pipeline so that we mm -hmm. have enough irons and irons in the fire so things like this go awry. Um, but I think from a creating urgency perspective, this really, to me, starts with a discovery call. So it's not just getting to the end game and then trying to hustle them over the line. It's really talking through, you know, why is this important? Why do they need to make a change? Why now? What will the impact of making this change be? What's the cost of inaction? And that's one of my favorite things, right? If we don't take action now, what is our cost? On the flip side, we're speaking with a client about hiring goals. And they're like, I think we're just going to wait till January to start hiring people. And I'm like, let's talk about the cost of inaction. Every single day you wait is a delay in the revenue that you will generate from this rep for the next year, right? Mm -hmm. So if we wait another six weeks, what does that mean in terms of the goals in the pipeline and the revenue that we can achieve? So it's really talking about the impact of status quo versus making a change and how this can make a difference. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. You know, like, uh, I, I also all, all, always also love to talk about these kind of things, but for me, I, I tend to be like very, uh, detached from the outcome, you know, Josh Brown, I'm sure he's yeah. always talking about that. And sometimes I feel like when well, way too detached, I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. Yeah. He and I were just texting this morning. I'm trying to trying to convince him to buy something to reward himself for his success. So far, so far, I haven't gotten him over the line, but I'll get there. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> trying to sell him on it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 always uh yeah. It, I think that's that's great to talk about the you know what's the cost of inaction and sometimes people just don't see that, and uh, I think that that's really relevant. Yeah. Yeah, and I think even for um, for account managers, I think about the same thing. We have a we have a lot of conversations with people who are land and expanders or who are responsible for renewals, and they say, "How do I get my renewal over the line faster?" Our contract expires on twelve thirty one. It's you know the beginning of November. How do I get them to do that now? And again, the conversation doesn't start today. The conversation should have started three months ago, right? Checking in on the health of the account, seeing if there's an upsell opportunity talking about the renewal and then saying, how do we make this happen? Let's say before Thanksgiving. So neither of us have to think about mm -hmm. this during the holidays, right? 
it's the, the concept of being client centric too. And it's not about a discount, right? It's about yeah. just making sure that services are uninterrupted and that there's less work for all of us to do when we'd frankly rather be drinking eggnog and going Christmas shopping. <laughs> exactly. You and your eggnogs in the US, that's just like, <laughs> what is that? Seriously. You know, I've actually never had any. Um, <laughs> it's the way I just, it, to me, it seems like the grossest thing. I don't even know what it is. Is it, is there egg in there? Is it milk? Is it cream? I don't know. I love it, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of uh, kind of weird, yeah. So, uh, okay, so you have a, a, another, this, you know, top three hacks you have on LinkedIn to sell. So people are very curious about that. Yeah. Uh, it comes from the expert. You've been at LinkedIn, you know how it works. Actually, we got in touch because uh, I, I asked you like, uh, hey, you're the person I know who is the closest to LinkedIn. I got restricted. What happened? And you reassured <laughs> me like, yeah, that happened to so many Everybody. people. But what are, what are the top three hacks to sell on LinkedIn? And let's add that without getting in the LinkedIn jade. <laughs> yeah, so I, I think a couple of things. So one, I would focus on building your network as a, as a sales rep, as a leader, whatever you are. You want to, one, get over that 500 mark, of course. So if you're not there yet, actively work at it. And you want to think about who do you work with here? Who are your neighbors? Who are your in-laws? Who are your friends? Who did you go to college with? Your former coworkers? There's so many people that you know. You can easily get to 500. Once you're at that 500, I want you to think about building a process of if this, then that for every single meeting you have. So if you schedule a meeting, let's say your BDR books a meeting for you, you you know do your outbound, whatever, a net new meeting is scheduled. When you have somebody in that calendar invite, my first tip to, to give you would be to make sure you connect with them on LinkedIn before the meeting. We just broke this down on LinkedIn a few weeks ago with a poll and then a video, but what you can do there is set the meeting Find them on LinkedIn, go to connect and say, I'm really looking forward to our call in a couple of weeks or whenever that is. Thank you again for making time and we'll chat with you then. Now you've instantly built that connection, right? So you're adding to your network. They also have a chance to research you in advance. So who are you? What does your about section say? What did you work before? Who do you know? So much to do there. And think about this too, as new people get added to the call. So if you forward the invite to somebody else and someone, their peer gets added, connect with them as well. The second thing I would tell you is make sure to add value to people's content. So one of my greatest uh, tips, um, we've just recently started a campaign internally at Sam Sales to think about how do we get out of our tech bubble, right? We seem to know everybody in tech and you know, we've got this little bubble, but how do we break out of there? How do we go to the, you know, the general electrics and the AT&Ts and kind of companies that aren't as historically active on LinkedIn? So we found influencers, right? So people who are our key by our demographic, who post frequently and have a good audience size of similar people that we want to go after. Every single week, I take time to go and comment on their content. I go and look for the things they've posted. I look for places where they've commented, right? So then I can add a comment. And slowly but surely, they start to see my name consistently. And they're mm -hmm. like, who is this? Almost everyone I have done this to has either proactively reached out to connect with me or has followed me. We're talking about the CEOs of tech companies that we use every day. We're talking about, you know, heads of sales who manage 7,000 people. Now they are connecting with me versus mm -hmm. me going and being an ankle biter and connecting with them. The third tip I would give you is to think about how you can tag people in comments on LinkedIn. <clears throat> so for instance, I was just talking about this yesterday with in fact LinkedIn. Um, if I go and let's say comment on my prospects post, my prospect posts something about whatever it may be, 
I go and I comment and I say, this is fantastic. And I pull in and tag somebody that I know really well. Let's say that's a high ranking person or one of our clients and say, you know, hey, Bill, I think you would really love this post from prospect's name. I mm-hmm. um, think you would find value in this. I'm doing a couple of things. One, I'm reminding the prospect that I exist. I'm contributing to their content. I'm helping them up their exposure and doing them a hell of a favor. But I'm also pulling in somebody probably important and they can see what my network is like, right? So they can see how well connected I am, who our customers are. So it's a great one-two punch to not only keep nurturing them and keeping yourself top of mind with them, but also to say, here's the company I keep. It's pretty awesome. Don't you want to be part of our, our circle too? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, I think that what, what people tend to forget is like LinkedIn is not just a lead database, it's a social network. So uh, what works on, you know, like other platforms also works there. The commenting part is, is key. You know, most people think they need to go and build content out there like, like we do. Yeah. For us, you know, it generates a lot of, of leads and, and it's great for business, but you don't need to start by that. You can start by commenting. You'll find like people you want to comment on you'll find your style you'll find what resonates with audiences and then the audience will kind of ask you to go and 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 tell more so i think that's what people forget yeah and and i think that's the interesting thing too you you nailed it right you don't have to start with your own content if that makes you nervous just start to contribute to other people's content right especially in your key buyer personas uh, and especially in the icp that you're targeting i want you to think about too that the comment you know is not meant to be cool posts, Sam, Mm -hmm. say something about it. What's your thought leadership? What's your opinion? What's your perspective? Because what you'll do is you'll connect with the poster, right? They'll be able to see how you think, but so will other people, right? You'll start to build a brand for yourself of the way that you comment and what's in your head and people will start to follow you. And again, instead of you having to ask them to connect with you first. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. And so there's another play uh, or, or hacks you have, which is called to espresso or not to espresso. What, <laughs> what do you mean by that? So I think that you know, one of the parts of sales that I think a lot of people miss is just how to be different in some you know very simple ways. And one of the tactics that we use is we try to put ourselves in the shoes of the person that's meeting with us and think, is there something that we can do to go above and beyond? So as a quick segue to this, um, we we just booked a meeting. Uh, in fact, Kia is on our on our call. She's listening right now. Um, Kia booked a meeting with, with somebody today uh, who works for a company we've been targeting. And in our response to that person, we thought about what can we do to be of help to them? And what we did is we thought, um, we know somebody really important at an, another company. Let's see if that person, if they already know each other, and if not, we can offer them an introduction. So it was just mm-hmm. something quick that we did, you know, to be of help. But on the espresso note, we do this specifically for calls that we have early in the morning. So if we have packed uh, upcoming week and we say the only time we can meet is at 8.30 or 8 a.m. or 9, is that too early? And people say, no, no, it's fine, we'll work it out. And one of our little moves is to send a $5, you know, Starbucks gift card or whatever it may be to each person that's attending the meeting, right? And it's we don't have 20 people coming, we have maybe three. Uh, mm-hmm. And send them a gift card and say, I know it's really early to talk sales shop. Uh, so here's a little something to fuel your morning on us. You will floor people when you do that. When you think mm-hmm. about them, when you do something above and beyond, you can do this through Sendoso as well, one of our partners. There's such an easy, easy thing to do to, again, set yourself apart, 
in the pandemic, we also did this with lunches. So where we were mm -hmm. going on site before and we were having all these conference, you know, meetings and conference rooms and bringing lunch and spending all this money on lunch and shoving sandwiches in our mouth. Instead, we said, well, you know what? We can't do that right now. So what we're going to do because we're meeting at lunch is we're going to send, um, we're going to uh, donate $20 for each of you uh, attending to Feeding uh, America. And I think what's amazing about that is, again, it just shows a little bit of thoughtfulness, a lot of thoughtfulness, and it's above and beyond as a way to really make you different. So think about it. If you're one of six vendors or two or three vendors that they're meeting with and deciding who to buy, who do you think they're probably going to buy from if you guys are pretty much equal otherwise? They're going to meet and they're going to buy from the person that had a little bit more thoughtfulness. So very, very low investment to help increase your odds and show the good character of your company. Okay. Uh, that's really nice. I, I didn't think that would be about that, but I really like the... Uh, <laughs> so the, the the answer is always to espresso, I guess, because... Always uh, it's, to espresso. <laughs> it's, uh, no, I think it's great. And uh, as you said, it's so easy to do. You know, you have like, for example, you if you do lunch, you have uh, Uber Eats uh, uh, coupon codes you can share. Uh, you know, the Starbucks cards work pretty much everywhere. So I think that's, uh, that, that's very interesting. And I fun. mean... In Germany, I don't know if that would work that well because the Germans will get offended that you go and, uh, you know, like send them like some stuff and like, oh, you know, why are you doing that? You're trying to bribe me. And uh, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, no, no, I'm I doing don't. business. <laughs> I think I think that's a good call too. You know, you have to be uh, culturally sensitive. And frankly, you know, you also have to be sensitive even in the States, right, with certain companies that you work with. So especially if you're selling to the government, right, or if you're selling to uh, big banks, sometimes you can't do that. $5 tends to not be a, you know, something that's raised, it has an eyebrow raise. I think once we get, you know, over kind of the 20 to $25 market does, again, especially mm -hmm. for the government. But think think about it again, culturally, apply it to your own setting. What is it that you can do for your prospects that just sets you apart a little bit um, and shows just that, that element of thoughtfulness? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I don't like take a call if I don't get like a custom uh, thing or, you know, like uh, a whiskey bottle or a Japanese knife with my name on it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never gotten that. Now that that's, you know, I've got, a, I've got a goal to get to or somebody needs to send me one of those. You can always win me over with coffee or, or gin or cheese. So for <laughs> for anyone trying to book a meeting with us, I've given you the, uh, the keys to the kingdom now. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> Good. So we have another two or not. So it's to Calendly or not to Calendly. What is it? <laughs> now we'll go on the flip side. So while it was too always espresso, it is too mostly never Calendly. Um, I don't, tell me if you've gotten these emails before. So have you gotten anybody that's ever reached out to you and said, you know, we'd love to find some time to meet. Um, you know, here's everything that we do. Here's my calendar link for you to schedule time with me. Have you gotten those before? All the time. Yeah. And what, what is your perception when somebody says, here's my calendar link, you book time with me. They what tell me their time, their time is more valuable than mine. So uh, that's, yeah. Yeah. I think um, this is one of the things that drives me bananas and a lot of sales leaders feel differently than I do. They're like, this is so convenient. There's no back and forth. It's really client centric. It's not to me. So I think that, um, you know, sending out a calendar link, even certainly should never happen in outbound. I sort of believe that it also shouldn't happen in inbound responsive, you know, when you uh, do an inbound reply, but certainly also when you get a referral. So back to that example of, you know, uh, my buddy Matt saying, Bill, meet Sam. If I responded and said, Matt, thanks, Bill, here's my calendar link. Bill would be like, 
seriously. So I think for me, um, the Calendly link has a place, but it is certainly not in those kind of first date scenarios, if you will. So my response is always to say, you know, at the, at the closing of an email to say, I'd love to find some time to connect. If you have time over the next week or two, please let me know and I'll send a calendar invite along accordingly. I'm going to do the work. You tell me when you're free and I will take care of it. I always say it's the equivalent of asking somebody to go to drinks. They say yes. And then you say, here's my calendar for you to book the time with me. They'd be like, take a hike. We would never do that in dating. Why yeah. would we do that in sales? So I think it, it is, again, it's, it doesn't, doesn't have a place there. Um, the other thing about it is if I sent that calendar link, right? And I said, here's, here's uh, this link for you to schedule time with me. That person has no idea what I'm doing. They just know when I'm blocked. So they're going to look for a time that fits for them, right? Mm -hmm. And schedule that in. When in fact, what I really want them to do is I want them to just tell me when the, the soonest is they're possibly available. And then I will move my schedule for them. Because mm -hmm. if I have one-on-ones that are scheduled or internal meetings or things like that, those never take precedence over client calls. And I don't want them to have to figure out how to work themselves into my openings. I want to figure out how to work them into my openings mm -hmm. um, instead. Okay. Okay. I see. Yeah. I'm totally with you on that. I think the, uh, some people like, uh, think that the calendar link is a cool thing, a cool feature to, to add. And, you know, I think it's always about, it's a convenience tool that makes things easier if you got the permission to go and, and, and get the meeting done. So it's not like, Hey, here's a calendar link, click on it. And oh, you're going to love the experience so much that you're going to go and want to book a time with me. It's more <laughs> like if, if it makes things easier, you can share your availability with me or book some time here. That's why right. I always use, but I never go and prospect with the calendar link. For me, it's a big no, basically in any kind of call outreach. When you got the reply and you navigated the conversation, that's when if you agreed and, and say, okay, we're gonna do a meeting, you can use that to uh, fluidify basically the process, but that's just, that's just let's say, uh, a calendar lubricant, basically. Yeah. That's just what it is. It's <laughs> yeah. not like the whole thing. Completely. And I do, like I said, there's a, to me, there's a place for it, right? Where we proactively say, here are some times where you tell me what works. If it's easier, here's my calendar mm -hmm. link, but either, either way, right. Or when we're already engaged with our clients and we've got tons of, you know, people that are involved, just send a calendar link around and just say, here, let's find a time that works for everybody. I'll, I'll defer to you guys to figure out what works. But again, in those, those first few engagements, it's inappropriate. I will say, um, I did hear a good move the other day to have the calendar link put in your signature block. Um, mm -hmm. So it doesn't seem like it's part of the email, it's just part of the signature block. Yeah. And so some people cheekily use that as well. But again, for me, I'd, I wanna control the experience and the timing and make sure that I meet with you as quickly as humanly possible. Urgent yeah. bird gets the worm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. For me, I actually don't put it because otherwise people book it and I just, I got too many stuff happening. Be yeah. Before I was like, having, I wanted to have as many people and I'm like, no, I mean, actually, I, I want to select. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's a great tool, but can be also dangerous. Yeah, you only have so much time in the day too. So you're right to protect yeah. your time. Exactly. And so this one last tip I'd like to talk about, which is not really a tip as such, but many tips. So what are your hacks about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? So this, yeah. this is your baby, you, you, you've worked for two years with it, so you know it by heart. Tell yeah. us everything. <laughs> I think, you know, um, 
people mistake what the what LinkedIn Sales Navigator does mostly because they just don't know how to use the technology. So what I hear most often is people say, well, isn't Navigator just kind of a souped up version of regular LinkedIn or has a few more bells and whistles than premium? It really isn't. So the beauty of Navigator is that it leverages all of the data and intelligence on LinkedIn specifically curated to your book of business, right? So then we get to the point of like, okay, great. So what now, what do I do? I would tell you a couple of hacks here. So number one, if you go, let's say to your pie in the sky, drool worthy prospect that you're trying to get in front of, go to their profile. One of the things that you're going to see on the bottom right hand corner is recommended leads and recommended leads to me is such a gold mine, but nobody knows why. So recommended leads is basically the LinkedIn algorithm telling you who is searched for in clusters most often. So if somebody searches for Sam and then they search for my team, they're going to show you my team under recommended leads. What this tells me is these are people that are in meetings together. They're probably cross-functional partners. They're probably part of the decision-making circle, et cetera. When I look at those, I basically save them to a top influencers list. And I'm looking to see how I want to save those people out, right? I don't know them. I can't connect with them. I've never met them. I've probably never even met the prospect that I have saved out. But I save those people to a list. And then I want to check in. I want to spend part of my day, my prospecting day, looking at that list. Have any of them posted on LinkedIn recently? Is there anything there that I can use as a way to get a foot in the door? And just a quick story on that, um, I met a chief marketing officer at a conference once. He said, we'd love to look at you, but I can't look for you for six months. And I said, okay, no worries. We'll contact you in six months. Okay. Looked at his profile, saved it out, saved his recommended leads. And in about two months, one of his recommended leads on his team posted on LinkedIn and said, we're looking to replace my competitor, LinkedIn family. Does anybody have any recommendations? And I was like, what? So I took a screenshot of that. I sent it to the chief marketing officer and I said, I know you said you wouldn't be ready to look at us for six months. It's only been two. We still have four to go. But I saw this and now the timing might be great. And it was. And we got our deal for three years. So what I would say is if I hadn't seen that and if that person had gone to the CMO and said, we need to replace our technology, I've you know, gotten another contract. I just you need to sign it. The CMO wouldn't have said, well, hold on, I met this scrappy girl at a conference and let's call her first. He would have just been like, okay. And then mm -hmm. I'd say in the six month mark, I would have called back and he would have been like, oh, I signed a three year deal with your competitor. Sorry. And then I would have waited another three years. So recommended leads is huge. The other thing to think about is the beauty of saved searches. So in the top uh, URL search bar of Navigator, you have something that allows you to do an advanced search for either leads or accounts. Look at the leads one. 25 different search filters of questions that you can ask with Navigator, again, according to your book of business. So the second and third tip that I would give you here is pull a search that does this. Number one, think about your top 20, 30, 40, 50 clients that you have for your business. Put all those company names in past company. So if you work for you know GE, Accenture, whatever it may be, put those in past company. For current company, load your book of business, load your tier one accounts, load your top 100 accounts that you want to get in front of. So what you're basically doing here is you're saying, tell me anyone at this point that has worked for our best clients and currently works for my, my book of business. And then we say, I want them to be in the US or Germany or Switzerland or whatever, these buyer personas, et cetera. You will get a custom curated list of your ICP titles who have experience at your best clients and now work in your book of business. You mm -hmm. can do show me, you know me, which is what we're one of the things Sam Sales is known for. 
and reach out to them with an email that plainly says their previous company name, plus their current company name, plus your company name. What they're going to see is, well, I used to work for these people. I work for this person now. I don't know what this company is at the end, but let me at least open up this email. This job hopper is a gold mine for us. The, the mm -hmm. meeting I referenced to you earlier that Kia on our team had booked is exactly that. We found somebody who used to work for LinkedIn and now works for one of the companies we're targeting. Mm -hmm. Piece of cake. And the other thing that I would say is to think about your tip number three, who were your previous employers? So do that same setup, right? But just look at people who used to work for places you worked and now are in the demographic that you're looking for. So if I look for somebody who used to work at LinkedIn, but now works for our top 100 clients and has our key buyer persona title, I can reach out and say, we both work for LinkedIn. I must have missed you when, I, when we were there. Would love to catch up. LinkedIn is a client. We'd love to make you a client a little bit more tactfully mm -hmm. than that. But yeah. again, gold mine of leads. And I could go on forever. <laughs> okay, now that's really nice. That's really brilliant because, um, you know, it's it's all like, you know, a lot of people who I know are very successful in sales are because they they actually, it's, it's especially true in the US, but people tend to job hop a lot more than yeah. in Europe. And so when a VP, let's say, was a CMO, was into a company, got you in, then they jump companies, jump ships, and they always will bring you in. And I know a guy who was always going to President's Club because he knew uh, two or three, two or three like VPs of, I don't know, it was a QA or something like that. And, you know, they were, every time they were moving, they were bringing him in. So it was a yeah. lot simpler. Yeah. So He's I think okay. that's, yeah. And it's such a warm introduction. You know, we talk about the value of that um, warm introductions. He was the team, team link extended navigator, get introduced, but you don't, I mean, I, that's the second tier to me. The first tier is where have your buyers worked before and where do they work now? And how do we get in the door simply because they've probably purchased your technology before, mm -hmm. especially if you work for a massive enterprise brand, you work for a Salesforce, an SAP, LinkedIn, you know, it's, there's probably a fair shot that there are tons of buyers that um, are in your target ICP that you used to buy you as well. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, you know, like always, you know, when, when doing cold outreach on LinkedIn and pretty much everywhere, I always recommend using triggers. And these yeah. are just like great ways to find great triggers. Uh, like there's a, a, um, a tip you also give often is to check people who change jobs in the last six months or, or yeah. one year. There's a way to do that, which is just very nice because when you change, let's say you're a CMO or VP of sales, you go to a company, like your first three or six months, you have specific issues that are always the same pretty much. So it's a great way to uh, to get the conversation. And I think it all comes down to, uh, I did a post about that this morning, is SalesNav is an amazing tool. But most people, they, they just like don't know how to use it. So <laughs> I always compare that, you know, if you can drive a Formula One, but you just know how to drive a go-kart or a normal car, you'll crush yeah. it, you know? And so I think it's the same with the SalesNav and any sales tool is they are amazing. We're spoiled with great tools, but what we need is tics, uh, um, tips and tactics like you gave to really use them properly, basically. I, it's funny, the um, the analogy you give uh, around, you know, the, the Formula One car and everything is, is exactly what we say, right? You've got, you have your team, your account manager and your CSM that can help you, you know, how, how to turn the wheel and turn the ignition. Mm -hmm. But you hire us to learn how to drive this car, how to corner like it's on rails, how to, you know, accelerate into the curve or out of the curve, all that stuff. Like, that's what we really help you do is figure this out. I will say, um, I totally agree with you. You know, people people don't understand the true value of Navigator. And I'll give you a, just a small preview that we've got some things in the works to um, help change that in partnership with LinkedIn. So uh, keep, a, keep a lookout for that soon. Oh, 
That's very nice. Very nice. Yeah. yeah. Great. <laughs> Good. So um, thanks for all of that, Sam. Um, just want to give you now the stage to talk about anything you want to talk about. So now um, is your time. Well, thanks. Thank you for having me. Um, if you guys want to um, stay in touch, please say hello on LinkedIn. Uh, you can follow me there on samsalesconsulting.com. We have a newsletter that goes out every Friday, uh, thousands of subscribers, huge open rates. So we've got to be doing something right in there. Um, and if you want more of these or our Sam sales hacks, uh, you can access subscriptions to all of this on shorts.samsalesconsulting.com. And we've got a bunch of things there from LinkedIn to Navigator to just sales in general. So um, thanks for giving me the stage and thank you so much for having me. What a pleasure. Yeah, it was very nice uh, to talk as two Swiss citizens. So very <laughs> great to know that. And uh, yeah, thanks. I've learned a, a really a lot and I'm going to keep an eye uh, out to check uh, what's going on with uh, you and LinkedIn. Good. That sounds good. Thank you so much. Have a good mor morning. Thanks for listening to that episode. If you like what you hear and you want to explore more, I invite you to join the Selling Advantage community. It's a paid community we're running with Skip Miller, where you're going to get access to a content library with training, checklist, and exclusive resources. You'll also get access to our experimentation swipe file and a Discord group with 150 Texas people. We also have online events where we invite special guests, a regular Ask Us Anything, and our content is focused on sales for North America and EMEA. If you want to check it out, go to sellingadvantage.io or click on the link in the show notes and you'll be able to sign up. 